Hi, this is Alana Terry, and you are listening to Season 6 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. The audiobook for this season was voted on by our Patreon community at patreon.com slash Alana Terry, where for as little as $3 a month, you can get free ebooks and audiobooks, and all the money that we raise is being donated to Liberty in North Korea and their Underground Railroad for Refugees. This season of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is being sponsored by my newest thriller, Save Me Once, which is the story of a mother trying to bring home her lost little girl. And today, our Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook that we're listening to is Frost Heaves, an Alaskan Refuge Christian Suspense novel by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy. I hope you enjoy it. Chapter 12 While her feet soaked in a pan full of hot water, Jade sipped at some tea. Her legs ached as they continued to thaw. She would have preferred to be out in the cold, at least able to convince herself she was doing something useful. Aisha sat with her and prayed, and Mrs. Spencer joined in for a little while, too. Jade was thankful for their concern, but couldn't help wondering if all that time and energy they put into their prayers would be better spent hunting for her daughter. Brought you something to eat. Ben stepped up and handed her a ham and cheese sandwich on a paper plate. Jade hated sandwiches and had since elementary school. Besides, how could she eat now when she didn't know if her daughter was kidnapped or lost in the woods or maybe already dead? You should have it, Aisha urged, and Jade nibbled at the whole grain crust with disinterest. Aisha stood up to get more tea. I've been going over the notes from the pre-trial, Ben said, crushing any hope Jade had that she might be able to stomach her food. He sat down across from her with a frown. I read about your father. Jade shrugged. She should have figured he'd find out the truth sooner or later. Ben sighed. I know it doesn't change what happened, but for what it's worth, I'm sorry. She glared at him. Why, it wasn't your fault. What right did he think he had, probing into her past and making her relive that awful pre-trial period? Did he seriously think that now was an appropriate time to bring it up? Ben shuffled some pages he was carrying. Well, we've managed to narrow down the suspect list. She wished she could turn her ears off. She wasn't ready to face the reality that this missing child case was morphing into an abduction investigation. It was too much for her to handle. She buried her head in her hands. I'm so sorry you're going through this. He sounded sincere, but how could he understand even a fraction of what she was experiencing? She met his gaze. Do you have children, officer? He shook his head. I didn't think so, Jade mumbled. And yet here he was, pretending to be sympathetic. What would he know about parenthood? or the terror that comes from realizing you failed to protect your own child. She didn't need more tea. She didn't need a stupid sandwich. She needed her daughter. How many times had she lost her temper or gotten angry at Des, who was every bit as sassy as Jade had been at that age? She'd take it all back now if she could. The drawn-out lectures, the angry shouts— that infamous mom stare she'd perfected when Des was still in her terrible twos. 
It must be hard working with the police after what happened to your dad. Ben's voice was soft, so quiet, Jade wondered if she should simply pretend not to have heard. He didn't know anything. He couldn't. Jade hated him. She hated his condescending pity, his flashy blue uniform, and everything it represented in her past. She hated the fact that she was sitting here like a helpless victim instead of marching outside and leading the investigation to find her daughter. Aisha returned, passing Jade a new cup of tea and taking her empty mug from her. Maybe you should get some rest. Aisha had been Jade's best friend for years, but tonight was a clear and obvious reminder of their differences. If Aisha were a mother herself, she'd understand how insulting the suggestion was. Sleep? How could she expect Jade to sleep on a night like this? I think that's a good idea, Ben replied, as if his opinion settled the matter. I can drop you off at your place if you want. Jade crossed her arms. I'm not going anywhere. I promise I'll call you with any updates. She shook her head. I'm staying here. Maybe you could rest on one of the couches, Aisha suggested softly. Jade rolled her eyes. Maybe Aisha was the kind of girl who could fall asleep on a whim, even with the investigation of her daughter's kidnapping ongoing in the next room, but Jade wasn't. I'm fine. I just need to get more coffee. She stood up. Are you sure? Aisha asked with a pained expression on her face. Positive, Jade grumbled. She brushed past her friend and stormed over to the coffee pot, unable at the moment to look at her compassionate eyes without breaking. She'd need all the energy she could get to make it through the night. Chapter 13 Jade, excuse me, are you awake? She jumped at the sound of the familiar voice, banging her head on some kind of shelf. What in the... Shh. His tone was calming, soothing. It's all right. It's me, Ben. I just had a few questions for you. She blinked. Why wasn't she in bed? How could she have fallen asleep? You're in the church closet. Ben reached down and picked up a wise man costume Jade had been holding. Her brain wrenched in protest as every single horrible replay of last night crashed around her memory banks. Did you find my daughter? She stood again, this time knocking over a box of flannel graph Bible characters before stepping out of the closet. Glancing down the church hallway, she studied those around her, trying to figure out if Ben woke her up with good news or bad. Nearly all the faces were unfamiliar, police officers from Anchorage, troopers from the surrounding areas, search and rescue teams deployed from God alone knew where. They all looked tired and worried, not a good sign, but at least they looked busy, which meant the investigation was still ongoing. Which meant there was still hope, right? She braced herself for whatever news Ben had for her. Do you need more coffee? He asked. A sandwich? She shook her head. Why couldn't he just get straight to the point? Let's take a seat. As they passed through the church kitchen, she glanced at the time. 
just after five in the morning, with at least another five hours to go before the sun even thought of rising. How much snow had fallen last night? How long could a child as small as Des survive this long outside? Jade clenched her fists and jutted up her chin. Whatever news Ben brought her, she was ready. Anything was better than this uncertainty, this waiting. What can you tell me about Keith Richardson? he asked. Elder Keith? It had been years since she stepped foot in Morning Glory's ornate church building, but the title came to her out of habit. Ben nodded. He was one of my dad's best friends. Jade wondered what kind of information Ben was looking for. What did he want her to say? He's the leader of Morning Glory now. From Ben's tone, Jade couldn't tell if he was asking her a question or stating a fact. Yeah, he took over after Pastor Mitch died. The church website still calls him Elder Keith, not Pastor. Jade shrugged. It was no surprise. The church would remain loyal to Pastor Mitch no matter how horrific his crimes had been in life. Was Keith Richardson upset when your family went to the police about your pastor? She nodded. At first, she was thankful to Ben for his discretion, thankful he didn't use words like rape or abuse, labels that had been thrust on Jade's shoulders since she was a teenager. But the more she thought of it, the more his question smacked of condescension. Did he think she couldn't handle hearing the truth spoken out loud? Did he think she was that fragile? She sat, waiting for what he would say next. Have you been in contact with Keith Richardson since you left Morning Glory? The question was direct, abrupt, as if for a moment he'd forgotten that Jade was the victim's mother and not a suspect herself. We stopped having anything to do with him, she answered. He was one of the most vocal opponents of us going to the police. He even offered to pay my family money to keep it quiet. But you haven't had any contact with him recently. Ben was staring at her with an intensity that made her heart race. What was he suggesting? She shook her head. No, why? Ben pulled out her cell phone. It was the first time Jade had realized it wasn't in her pocket like normal. Where'd you get that? He didn't answer her question, but just said, Keith Richardson left you five different text messages in the past half hour. Jade yanked the phone out of his hands. What did he say? Elder Keith had been like an uncle to her when she was younger. His daughter Trish had been her best friend, and they'd promised to go to college together and be roommates and study pre-law together. Jade knew for a fact Trish had been one of the girls Pastor Mitch abused, but even if Elder Keith was aware of the crime, he was too loyal to Morning Glory to ever try to put a stop to it. And now he was messaging her after Des disappeared? She scrolled through the texts, trying to will her hand to steady. It's Elder Keith. Are you there? We need to talk. Can I call? I know it's early, but this is important. Are you getting any of my messages? Jade's stomach flopped, and she physically recoiled from her phone when she read his last message. I know what happened to your daughter. Chapter 14 
Aisha and Mrs. Spencer had both gone home, so it was Ben who was left to do what he could to soothe Jade's nerves. It's going to be all right, he assured her. We've got someone in Palmer on their way to speak with Richardson right now. They're going to contact us as soon as they find anything out. Ben sat patting her hand. It was a silly, fruitless gesture, but she couldn't find the words to ask him to stop. I'm so sorry you're going through this. She'd lost track of how many times he'd said this or something similar. If he was so sorry, why wasn't he doing more to get her daughter back? She gritted her teeth, hating how out of control she felt. I went through something a little similar. I know it's not the same thing as missing a child. Whatever Ben was going to say next, Jade was certain it wouldn't be helpful. But he went on and she stared at the wall blankly, too numb to speak. My dad was a cop down in L.A. during the race riots. He wasn't on duty that night, but he got called in anyway. My mom had taken me and my sister to my grandma's house in Redondo Beach to get away from the heat, and she kept us up late to pray for Dad's safety. He didn't come home that morning, and by the next night we still hadn't heard anything. It wasn't until the following day his partner found out where my mom was to tell her that my dad had been killed. Jade didn't speak. I know it's different when it's your parent and not your child, but I remember that day of waiting, how hard it was. If you were to look at my mom, you might have thought she aged a decade in 24 hours. I'm sorry for what you're going through. Jade tried to swallow, but the lump in her throat made it impossible. I guess that's something we do have in common, though, Ben said quietly, both of us losing our dads. She didn't want to agree, didn't want to acknowledge that what this trooper went through was anything like what she'd endured the night her dad died. Her father had known the police were coming for him. He had no regrets about what he did to Pastor Mitch. When it seemed clear that his daughter's abuser would go free, he'd taken justice into his own hands, and he was prepared for his arrest. He was ready. He'd even called some of his family members, people outside Morning Glory who were still speaking to him, and made some arrangements to make it easier for Jade and her mom while he was in jail. What he wasn't prepared for was six white men barging into his home in the middle of dinner and making the entire family lie face down on the floor. Jade was eight months pregnant at the time, and when one of the officers shoved her roughly, her dad intervened. The cop shot. Her father was dead before he even hit the ground. And now Jade was sitting here across from this white trooper whose white father had also been a cop, a white cop, the kind Jade had learned to fear, had learned to hate. And yet he'd been a victim of senseless violence as well, a victim of the racist disease that had plagued their country for centuries. She felt sorry for Ben and what he and his family must have gone through, but she still wasn't sure she wanted his sympathy still wasn't sure he'd earned the right to presume that he could understand her situation. She hung her head, listening to the drone of the church fridge and the muttered voices of those around her, 
trying to imagine what it would be like to live in a world where fathers always came home when they promised they would, where police, all police, could be trusted to protect the vulnerable, where five-year-old girls didn't disappear without a trace, leaving nothing behind but nameless fears and unbearable uncertainty. Thanks again for listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. You've been listening to Frost Heaves by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy. Today's episode is sponsored by my newest Christian thriller, Save Me Once, about a mother's courageous attempts to do everything in her power to rescue her daughter from a life on the streets. Again, that is Save Me Once by Alana Terry. And I hope you join us again soon for our next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast.